I became an expert on this at the beginning of COVID when yeah. you remember all the letter grades on what the type of recession we were heading into. V-shaped, W-shaped, U-shaped. Checkmark shape. You know, we had the little down and then a great big up. But now we're going into the W. Hello, everyone. I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook, and welcome back to the GeekWire podcast. We're coming to you from Seattle, where we report each day on what's happening around us in technology, business, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere, and each week on the show, we talk about some of the most interesting tech and business stories in the news. This week, we're talking to Tim Porter, a veteran venture capitalist who has invested in early-stage technology startups at Seattle-based Madrona Venture Group for the past 15 years. We wanted to catch up with Tim this week to discuss a topic on every entrepreneur's mind, what the heck is going on in the economy and what impact will the current market gyrations have on startups and venture capital? Tim, welcome to the GeekWire podcast. Hey, John. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. A lot is going on, and we could say the times are certainly a change in, especially as it relates back to 12 months ago. You know, we're seeing venture capital investors are hitting the brakes with funding in Q2 expected to decrease 19% quarter over quarter. Startup valuations are declining in many instances. Analysts are predicting the return of the dreaded down rounds where companies land new funding at lower valuations. And well-known VC firm Andreessen Horowitz recently offered this advice to startups. Reevaluate your evaluation, understand your burn multiples, and build scenario plans. Tim, it seems a little grim out there. So we just wanted to ask, what are you seeing? Yeah, it is a little grim out there. There's certainly wild times over these last few years have been an absolute roller coaster, certainly for the world and, and in the tech market and in the startup market as well. All of those things you just cited are definitely top of mind for us and for our companies. I would say, you know, to be somewhat positive about things that a compression of multiples from unsustainably high you know, levels last year companies focusing a little bit more on efficiency, not just growth at all costs, are not necessarily bad things. You know, And we needed some degree of that, I think. And in some ways, this is more a return to historical normalcy than it is just uh, the complete sky is falling scenario. Uh, on the flip side, as you referenced, the world's gone through so much trauma from a pandemic to wars, to supply chain issues, energy shocks, uh, inflation that you know, seems to be a real thing. And those have real impacts on businesses, on individual consumers. And so, you know, at high level, what we're telling our companies is, yeah, it, it is going to be harder to fundraise, you know, in the near term. Firms have largely pressed the pause button right now. Let's think about how you can extend your runway even farther. How can we rebalance the trade-off a bit between efficiency and growth, maybe growing a little bit less, but being a lot more efficient is the right thing to do. Companies are largely saying, hey, you know, we had these plans for this year. Maybe we raised money last year, you know, on a really aggressive valuation and plan, or, you know, we just had an aggressive plan going into this year because everybody was trying to grow really aggressively. And, you know, maybe we should hire, you know, a little bit less. And so we're not seeing sort of a, hey, in all cases, freeze everything or lay people off or, and we can get into this, John, but in, in most cases, you know, the end markets, you know, the actual, what we're seeing from customers and what we're seeing from demand and sales pipelines are still pretty darn positive. You know, companies are hitting their, you know, hit their Q1s, looking pretty good in Q2, but there's just definitely an overall view of, hey, caution, 
let's get more efficient and let's make sure our capital you know can last longer than we had thought of before whatever that timeline was let's make it longer it seems like a bit of a strange downturn at least where we are right now because as you're saying there and i think we're seeing this too it's not so much a business or customer reset it's it's simply a market and valuation reset because the run-up has been so crazy is that an accurate assumption i don't want to say there's zero impact in some of these end markets but that's largely been the case you know the um, the median uh, next 12 month the forward revenue multiple for the top 25 fastest growing public SaaS companies you know last november 15th at the peak the median was 52 and now it's eight you know, and so that's, it's just been a massive, you know, reversion. There's been lots of discussion in Twitter and otherwise around, you know, what should be the long-term view. Maybe we overshot a little bit on some of those multiples. You know, Bill Gurley has been quoted a lot for saying like, hey, you shouldn't assume, you know, longer term, it should be anything more than 10X. And so you have seen that valuation reset. And to your point, John, a lot of these public companies are reporting like, hey, you know, we beat our quarter, we're growing great but maybe the forecast is a little bit more uh, muted, you know, than it was before, but still pretty strong. So, but some of the reasons it's muted, whether you have big exposure in Europe, uh, whether this foreign currency, you know, Benioff's quote in his earnings was like the, the one thing that had a great quarter in Q1 was the dollar. Uh, the dollar had a great Q1. You know, some companies do have direct supply chain impact. You know, if you have a hardware component that's harder to get or, you know, Things that are direct consumer, consumer spending, that was looking a little bit more muted. You know, we could have a discussion about uh, all the stimulus and things that have sort of worked its way through. So I don't want to say that I think there's absolutely nothing to be concerned about around inflation and the overall economy. But I would say that most of the core trends that we're investing against, you know, digital transformation, the move to the cloud, machine learning, the impacts of software, those are seem to be very durable and we're, we're seeing continued spending, but everyone is also in a bit of a wait and see. All right, what does it look like for pipeline for Q2 and Q3? Forward indicators, how do we get a sense? And there is this, again, overall air of caution without completely stopping. You know, it's like a gas break kind of thing. We don't want to completely slam on the brakes. Last year and the year before was completely gas pedal to the floor. And now it's sort of a gas break, you know, tr you know that you're trying to do the best you can. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, we, and we're seeing it in the news this week. I mean, Valve, the big game company based in the Seattle area, just delayed their Steam Deck dock due to COVID-related shortages and closures. You know, you're, you're talking about the currency impact. You saw Microsoft stock down this week because of currency issues. And so, I mean, there's so much going on. Uh, and as you said, exposure in Europe, we've, we've reported on this podcast and on GeekWire on some companies that have large engineering oper operations in that part of the world and the disruption that that's caused. I thought COVID was a terrible time to be running a company and trying to build a new business. But now we've got COVID and all the a, a war, uh, these supply issues, inflation. I mean, can't we get a break here as entrepreneurs trying to build our businesses? I mean, it's it's getting exhausting having to do this. Or is this just part of what you have to deal with these days in 2022. And and I guess there is a question there. I mean, like psychologically for some of these entrepreneurs you're talking to that have been around for four years, four or five years, I mean, this has been a terribly hard time to manage your companies. What Like, how are you dealing with them and telling them, yeah, emotionally how to get through this? It's been a roller coaster and it's been wild. So think back just to your point about how hard the pandemic was, you know, so the pandemic started, you know, March, 2020, 
and immediately, you know, there was an initial stock market dropped and people worried about funding and what is this all going to mean? And we were all locked down and terrified and isolated. And there was this whole cycle for those first few months where, you know, PPP loans, remember all of that and all this discussion, like, do you take them? Do you not take them? What kind of business is, what should we do? Do we lay off? Do we freeze? All these discussions. And we sort of got through a really intense, you know, few months, both personally and professionally. And then I remember thinking like, gosh, okay, we sort of have our portfolio and the companies I work with shored up so that we've got cash into 2021. You know, we kind of extended our runways. Then it's like, you know, what's going to happen in 2021? You know, all these all these companies are going to come back to market. They're going to need cash. The economy might be even worse. You know, who knows how long this thing's going to last? Well, little did we know that when those companies came back to market, it was literally the best fundraising market in history, right? Who would have thought that, that you went from PPP loans to the biggest run on tech valuations and growth, et cetera, arguably that we'd seen, you know, in 20 years. I mean, John, you were doing it for the, you know, the first time, you know, the, the internet ran. And so, so that was unexpected. But even within that, there was a lot of success from a business standpoint, but there was also a lot of stress and exhaustion for all, all the workers personally and how to deal with remote work and hybrid and families and COVID and testing and all these things. So even though that was a good period, it was also exhausting. And now, as you said, we've run into all these other macro things. Maybe some of the things that propelled that growth through that period now are coming to roost a little bit in terms of inflation and whatnot. And who could have predicted a war and, and all the tragedy that, that's happening there? So it is a lot. But on the other hand, founders are anything if not resilient right, and, and optimistic. And we've also seen, John, you've lived through it, but some of the absolute best companies, you know, were created in these various downturns. I think it was Andreessen that said recently that one of their best vintages or maybe their best vintage ever was 2008. Some of our very most successful companies were really founded and grew out of that 2007, 8, 9, you know, timeframe, Smartsheet, Aptio, ExtraHop. And so I think for us, we really focus most on the earliest stage and we want to take a 8 10 12 year time horizon we want to partner with founders who want to build something meaningful and sustainable for the long term and cycles are going to go up and they're going to go down within any decade period and so you just have to respond put your head down and keep building and i think we try to always have a view of every dollar demands a return and if you see an opportunity yes be aggressive and invest against it but don't just pour money on something because money is available. And I, that type of more efficient growth mindset, like that's all everyone's focused on right now. Let's put a scenario out there. Let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're coming to the end of your series A financing round and you got to go out for that next financing round. You're going out for your series B and you're going out right now. What's that like for an entrepreneur? And are you saying, hey, you probably shouldn't even go out or, and I know it's dependent obviously on the industry you're in. I mean, if you're in, in the metaverse and your product's not coming to market for five years or whatever, it's quite different than if you have a SaaS application that you're already selling. But like, generally speaking, let's use that as a scenario. You're, you're kind of coming to the end of your series A, you're going out for that next round. What's the advice for that entrepreneur? Yeah, we're, we're still figuring this out right now. Just I'll come specifically to your question, but to pop out a little bit, you know, the the very late stage markets, private markets, were in lockstep with the public markets, right? So when the public markets started falling in last November, the late stage markets started contracting, valuations started tightening, and now that market is essentially closed. That the very kind of late stage growth is closed right now. IPO market also closed right now. 
On the other side, the very early stage, pre-seed and seed, up until like maybe three weeks ago, I would say was still cranking along. You know, in fact, you had some of those firms that were doing those really late stage deals were coming earlier stage. And so we saw a lot of early stage deals continuing to get done at prices that were still quite robust. I'd say even over the last now three weeks or so, that seems to have started to slow a bit. This is anecdata. It'll be interesting when the Q2 data actually comes out. But, you know, you had a little bit what happened in the Web3 world with the meltdown in, in Terra and Luna and things so that the Web3 part was rock and rolling. And now that sort of slowed way down. And that's only a very small part of what we work on. Um, but that earliest stage now has even started to slow. The in-between, which is the scenario you asked about, whether you're C trying to be A, A trying to be B, I think there's a lot of discovery happening out there right now. And I think rounds could be tough. There's an added dynamic of, is the bar for the metrics and the progress you need to show, have those gone up while the, uh, you know, the amount of you're supposed to spend to achieve those metrics, you know, has gone down. So it's sort of like spend less, achieve more, you know, is sort of the, the, the situation that we're in right now. I still think there are rounds getting done in Q1 and so far in Q2, we've had follow on rounds that have happened. It is industry dependent. Valuations were probably less, or not probably, they were less, you know, than what entrepreneurs thought they were going to be, you know, at the end of last year. So your illusion earlier to readjust your expectations is, is absolutely real. Our advice in that scenario is if you don't have to raise, don't extend your runway and achieve some more things. If you have to raise now, then consider potentially raising a somewhat smaller round, readjust some of your thoughts around valuation. And like always, play for the long run. You know, it's about how big you can make your pie lay down the road, not just dilution right now. And so it might be a somewhat more dilutive round right now than you hope for, but getting that cash in the bank will allow you to grow ultimately into the potential that hopefully you see. That's maybe not as specific as you hoped on the scenario, but that's kind of what we're working through on each company. Well, certainly wild times, as you said, and, and the market has changed so much from where it was at even 12 months ago. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a moment to talk more about the economy. And specifically, I want to ask Tim Porter of Madrona Venture Group about what he's seen related to hiring and salaries and the workplace. So we'll be right back in just a moment. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back to the GeekWire podcast. We are joined today by Tim Porter of Madrona Venture Group. Tim, we've been having a wide-ranging conversation here about everything going on in the economy as it relates to startups and early-stage companies. I know, based just on some of the GeekWire reporting here on some hiring freezes, Microsoft even announced in a couple of their major groups that they're scaling back on their hiring plans. So we're seeing this across the board from smaller companies to larger companies. What are you seeing out there in terms of just the hiring marketplace, which also has just been on fire in the last five years where engineers were getting paid massive bonuses and salaries and stock option pools? What are the trends you're seeing there as it relates to hiring? And could this be an opportunity for earlier stage companies to try to grab talent as these public company market valuations have fallen as much as they have? I think it is an opportunity, John. 
uh, we referred earlier on how when public markets start to go down, there's a cascading impact in that the later stage companies you see first, and ultimately it sort of trickles down to the earliest stage, but it sort of takes a while. And I would say the talent markets have lagged even further in the sense that as funding was slowing down across these stages, the talent market wasn't as far as I could see, you know, in the companies that I was working with. But now that I think even the earlier stage has slowed down to some degree, I think we're seeing that talent market start to follow. And I think we'll see more of it. And as you alluded to, the mega cap companies either slowing down on their hiring or, or, or stopping in some cases. On the flip side, they're all paying more. You know, Microsoft announced, you know, pay increases, Amazon sort of switching, you know, has been as well documented. As the startups are saying like, hey, let's let's trim our hiring plans. So not that we're gonna cut, but maybe we won't hire quite as many. Um, let's all focus on, hey, are there bottom 10% employees who you know might not be a fit? Make those moves now, don't wait. All those things have an impact, right? On supply demand in the market. And so we're really hopeful that there'll be some, if not cooling, just on the on the the competition for for talent. It's just been intense in Seattle, certainly on the technical and engineering side, but also on sales, also on marketing. So I'd say it's at this point, it's a little bit more. Everyone is expecting it. I haven't really seen it show up, you know, it, with companies so far. There's also a little bit of the psychological impact of. If things look a little bit more nervous out there, are people less likely to leave, you know, their big company job for a startup? You might separate a little bit sort of the tourists from the true believers in a downturn. You know, nobody goes and joins a startup because it's the hot thing at cocktail parties to talk about type thing. So you have a lot of dynamics there. I don't have a lot of data to show like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden it's become a hirer's market. It still is pretty competitive from what I'm seeing. But I think it's going to ease and get maybe a little bit more. Uh, normalized here in the back half of the year and into next year. I think we're maybe at the early stages of that. And as you said, it hasn't quite caught up to where the market valuations are, but it might be might be coming here down the down the path. That's a more concise way to say it. The other thing is I think through the pandemic, companies got really good at hiring lots of places and having distributed workers and maybe having a if not a quote HQ2, you know, another engineering center that's somewhere remote or going fully distributed. And now these companies are saying like, hey, extend runway, reduce burn. They've got a path to hire in lower cost environments. So that's also been a trend, right? Which is like, hey, we're gonna hire more in our, you know, South American office, you know, somewhere overseas, other markets here in the US. And so I think you're gonna see more of that too, which I think also should help to alleviate some of the intensity of competition, you know, in some of the core places like Seattle also, but it's going to take a little time to work its way through the system. Again, just another example of this kind of being a a strange downturn with all these macroeconomic issues and yet the hiring market's still kind of keeping up and the customers are still kind of coming and so people quite haven't seen a dramatic impact to their specific businesses, other than if they are maybe going out for that next round where it is harder to get some of that capital. And it gets me to a question, Tim, on just how much of this is group think versus the reality of the situation. And you know, you followed the markets long enough. There's a lot of group think that happens here in terms of what drives, uh, drives markets. And so I'm curious if you can uh, elaborate a little bit on that. 
It's totally true. And it's a bit of a crystal ball question, right? Because nobody knows exactly. Um, Here we are talking about it, right? You know, I mean, right. this is what we're spending most of the podcast talking about is this issue. So it's so true. It's been cited on some other popular podcasts and other places about how, you know, the, the market, Silicon Valley, the technology market moves so swiftly from greed to fear. Right. And to your point, when when the, the mindset is greed, everything is just deals are happening faster. Prices are more. All these things build on each other. And when it moves to fear, all these things sort of build on each other, too. One truism through you know many cycles over the last 30 years is that uh, when a downturn is coming, you never want to react too late. You know, and so some of the, the famous Sequoia RP good times and other things you know, people have realized, like the companies that survive are the ones who get out in front of these things. And the paranoid is who survive Andy Grove, you know, so that's, so that's true. On the flip side, I'm not sure that this is just absolutely stopped, that there is still opportunity, there is still an opportunity to build. And so I'd say Madrona and I were more in this gas break kind of mode, like, in that it really depends on your business, the amount of runway you have your end market, and really understanding your business. So for sure, this move towards efficiency is real and is good and is needed. Just like how bad is it going to be? And I, I don't want our companies to just like completely sort of go into cockroach mode or just pure survival, keep your head down. We want to keep building. We want to keep growing. But but it's tough. You also, you know, you don't want to look at all this caution and poo-poo it and then be someone that has to come back to market too soon because you burn through your money. And to your original point about down rounds, that's what's going to drive the down round, right? So these these companies that raise lots of money at really high prices and then burn through that capital before they achieve the metrics that are going to allow them to grow into those valuations or beyond, especially now that all the multiples are so much lower, that's where you're invariably going to see down rounds. And that's why I think the next six to 18 months is going to be you know, happy hunting season for growth equity and especially private equity firms to come in and you know, invest or buy some really good companies that just didn't get efficient enough in time and uh, had to face some really tough choices. And those are public or public or private? I think, I think private, you know, I think public, you know, you got to talk to Mr. Market every single day. So you can already, you know, have that opinion now about whether you think some of these public companies are valued in attractive, you know, ways. But I think the, the private companies, they don't have to face the music until they have to go raise more money. Right. So I'm just curious, how many down rounds have you seen this year just coming through the door at, at Madrona? I don't know that I've seen any yet. Really? But you think it's coming? I mean, I so you yes. haven't seen any, but you think it's coming? Yes. I think uh, I've seen um, a deal that was that the price got adjusted downward in real time. That was a, really a collaboration between investors and founders. So it wasn't just investors sort of jamming and cramming, but it was like, hey, you know, things are shifting. We do want to set the company up for the long term correctly. We want to set a valuation that we can grow into. So there's been some of those discussions sort of real time and trying to figure out how to price around. But I haven't seen one yet that was a full on, you know, down round. I think in, the, the good news is that a lot of companies and I think especially we we're fortunate that our portfolio, most of them raised last year. And so they have capital and now it's they're not having to come back to market and face this yet. And so, you know, back to this discussion of extend runway efficiency, et cetera. So I, for me, it's it's a lot more discussion of like there could be down rounds and there will be down rounds to come as opposed to they're already happening. Yeah. To the adage of 
raise money when you can. I guess it was never as <laughs> true as it was, you know, 12 months ago uh, compared to where it's at now. Well, we're going to take a short break again and we'll be back in a moment. And I'm going to ask Tim Porter of Madrona Venture Group to rate this economic situation and downturn on a Richter scale of one to 10 in terms of its severity. And so we're going to get Tim's prediction on that when we come back from the break. Welcome back to the GeekWire podcast. We're joined today by Tim Porter of Madrona Venture Group, an early stage investor who invests mainly in cloud, AI, enterprise software companies. Tim, I'm curious, when you look across the landscape right now, does a downturn like this or an economic situation, does this change your investment focus at all in terms of the types of things you're looking at? Or do you think there are just great opportunities in those categories I just mentioned? It largely does not, John. We are trying to invest in trends that we think are decade plus long trends and invest really early for companies that can build over the long term. And so that hasn't changed at all. We also haven't said, hey, let's invest faster. We also haven't said, hey, let's stop investing. You know, our pace has stayed relatively the same. I think one thing that slows things down is this price discovery and how do you value companies and, and where is that going to turn out? So um, I think we'll probably see a slower pace of follow on rounds invariably, you know, over the next you know year, certainly than we saw over the last year. Do I expect our brand new investments to slow down? Maybe a bit, but I don't think it'll be super materially. And we haven't certainly haven't said like, hey, let's slam on the brakes or something like that. I mean, we, we can get into some of our investment themes, but we believe those as much, you know, right now as we did on November 15th and want to, and want to be able to keep investing against those. So before I ask you my Richter scale question on the severity of this uh, potential downturn we're in, I, I'm curious because you've been around the block uh, for a number of years prior to Madrona, you worked in M&A activity at Microsoft and investment banking. And so you've seen your fair share of ups and downs in the business. Is there something specific about this downturn that concerns you the most? I think it's whether inflation and a broader slowing in the world economy based on these various factors and the ones that are, have pushed these inflation numbers will turn this into a much longer downturn or recession. So it's like, how long will this last? And the longer that it lasts, the more I think you will see end markets having to pull back. And so some of this discussion about like, hey, end customers are still buying, companies are hitting plan, but wait, is there's going to be something self-fulfilling around these things? I think that's the that's my fear is how long will it take for us to as a as an economy to to break out of this malaise? And I don't think it's going to be super fast. Like I don't, we don't expect you know multiples to come roaring back in the next six months or something like that. It's going to take a while as interest rates go up and we're going to have to get inflation back under control. I think it'll be a more, you know, muted environment. Will it turn into full on recession? I'm not sure. And, and we're hoping not, but that's, that's the question. I became an expert on this at the beginning of COVID when <laughs> yeah. you remember all the letter grades on what the type of recession we were heading into in March and, or the spring of 2020. And it was like V-shaped, W-shaped, U-shaped. I, I don't know. There was probably an L-shaped I didn't even know about, which is, I guess, just falling off the cliff and we all die and, you know, <laughs> it's end of end of society. Uh, where do you think we are on those uh, letters? 
Uh, it's a good question. I was just trying to think back. What did it turn out till now? It was like check mark shaped. You know, we had the little down and then a great big up. But now we're going into the W. <laughs> Maybe, but it was a different recession for different types of businesses. I mean, look at the tech economy. The tech economy went just absolutely gangbusters. I mean, it was right. a rocket ship for the two years of the pandemic, pretty much. And but other parts of the economy struggled. And so I, I think the letter grade was dependent upon what sector you were in to some degree, which made it yeah. unusual as well. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe it is W. We're just gonna be on a W. It's just like it's all it's always volatile. I think that I'm not sure, you know, that we're at any sort of a bottom from public markets, but I do think that multiples now are in, I'm speaking for tech, you know, that's the world that I live in. So I'm not making a right. judgment on, on broader, every, you know, every company that's out there that we're hopefully closer to the bottom than not. Although, you know, there was a great piece recently that Meritech wrote, you probably read, John, that reminded the readers that the two top SaaS companies in the 2008 financial crisis were Salesforce and NetSuite, and they both bottomed out at 1.5x forward revenue multiples. And they had been growing between 30 and 50% a year going into that. And so, you know, when you see multiples that are median that are at like, you know, eight now saying like, well, is there room to go down more? There might be. And of course, within that median, there are some that are already good companies that are trading in four, four times forward. But my Uber point is, I think we're closer to a bottom than not there. But I also don't think there's going to be one of these V-shaped recoveries. I think this is a longer sloping maybe we go sideways for a while before things come back. And I don't know that we should ever count on them roaring back to where they were middle of last year. I mean, we were saying at the time those were unsustainable, right? And everybody said like, hey, a downturn is coming. We just don't know when. Well, people had said it for a decade, right? Exactly. exactly. I mean, that, that's the crazy thing about it. Was it, it the discussion about the downturn coming had gone on for eight, nine, 10 years because it had been raging so much and everyone thought covid was all right that's the beginning of it but then it just went up from there so it's it's so hard to know what's coming so as part of that i'm going to ask you what's coming tim <laughs> so my richter scale question is your economic concern from a one to a ten and how concerned are you about the current economic conditions one of course meaning almost no concern and ten being massive devastation yeah, I would say seven. Oh, wow. Seven. Okay. That surprises me. Yeah. Okay. That's higher than I thought. Why is that? I just think the factors that we're we're talking about that I, you know, I think it, it's going to be a harder fundraising market for some time here. And I think that there are some broader issues around inflation and the economy. I don't think it's a 10. You know, I don't think it's as bad as it felt like in the, you know, the Great Recession in 2008. But I also think you have to show appropriate caution and be really focused on, I feel like a broken record at this point, on efficiency and really understanding the forward indicators of your business to see you know, how things are gonna continue to respond. So yeah, so that's why I net out at seven. I assume it's not like a log scale, like the Richter scale, but uh, that it's just a straight one to 10. I hope we can do this again in you know a year and we'll look back and say, hey, that wasn't as bad as, uh, as yeah. we thought it was going to be. But we'll say, look how wrong we were on all this stuff. You know, It's for certain we were wrong. It's just a matter of how we were wrong. So let, let's do it again at some point so we can grade ourselves and not just grade uh, the economy. That sounds great. Well, we've been talking to Tim Porter, a managing director at Madrona Venture Group. Tim, it was great to have you on today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. 
Thanks for joining the GeekWire podcast. We will be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast. So make sure to tune into that. And I wanted to give a big shout out to Kurt Milton, our GeekWire podcast producer who edits our show. Also, Daniel L.K. Caldwell composed and performed our theme music. I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.